Welcome to the Newport Hub Business Leaders Podcast, bringing you local business owners, innovators, and leaders, and coming to you from the heart of Newport, Rhode Island, where every day is awesome. Here at Business Leaders, we get up close and personal with local owners and entrepreneurs, and we talk about their stories, their struggles, and their dreams for their Newport business. I'm your host, David Marlowe, and I can't wait to introduce you to our next guest. Hey, Newport. It's another amazing day on the island. And with me today is one of my absolute favorite people in all of Newport, Karen Chabot. I don't think you can sum up a person like this in a simple introduction, but just to give you an idea, she founded the first private state-approved Ayurvedic massage therapy school in Rhode Island. She's trained over 2,000 sacred stone therapists and instructors. She's a former faculty professor at Bristol Community College. She studied deeply in Ayurveda, yoga, Marma Point therapy, quantum touch therapy, crystal healing, Reiki, and more than I can name here. She is writing three books. She's published numerous articles for national publications. She's been on Fox television, and I've barely scratched the surface of her story. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And you are one of my favorite people in Newport, too. Well, yeah, and we've, we've known each other for so long, and it's been fun watching yeah, I've kind of been watching you go through, you know, changes and struggles and, and all this, but you're always, um, you're such a ray of sunshine. And, and it's, it, and it, it probably comes from just a lot of what you do. And I think we'll start with, um, I think we'll start with Ayurveda as, as a first step. Um, who was, who was Karen before that came along? Good question. Well, Ayurveda changed my life because I was really struggling with my immunity and I was sick, you know, every other month. I missed so much school as a child because I was always that sickly kid, always, you know, bronchitis or pneumonia. My mother was chasing me around with a needle for, um, you know, uh, asthma asthma injections and um, I didn't know what it felt like to be really strong and healthy even though I got A's and B's because I was smart I wasn't always there in school because I just didn't feel good and I um, just thought that was the way my life was going to be and until it got to be early 20s when my system my body just hit rock bottom and I got Graves disease I had Jada, my daughter, and my hormones went wacky and my endocrine system went nuts. And um, my um, thyroid decided to give out. So I had to drink radiation. And um, um, then my immune system went down even more because I didn't know any better. I just did what the doctor said, drink radiation. So you drink the purple drink. So I drank the purple drink and um, I hit the dark night of the soul where I couldn't even walk up the stairs or take care of my baby. I was 90 pounds and I thought I was just going to have to be a pimple on the earth, not be able to serve, not be able to take care of myself. And um, I decided I wasn't going to let that happen. So my body wasn't helping me, but my mind was there. So I studied and studied and read every book I could get my hands on. And I met a healer who um, used to work for this Bible study I was going to, and he was a strange healer. He did all kinds of out of the box kind of things that I'd never been subject to because, you know, I grew up with McDonald's and Burger King and I was just a regular American girl. And this guy said, stand on this line. And he would just do this X-ray vision, like a medical medium seeing right through my body. And he said, you have a fire on your belly button, in in between your belly button and in your rib cage, big fire. And you have to eat foods to put the fire out. And I said, okay, what foods are those? And he gave me a list and he said, come back in 30 days, follow this intensely, don't go off the diet. 
it was the hardest diet I've ever gone on. I never want to do that again. Um, I screwed up a little bit and um, he knew because he was psychic and I came back in 30 days and said, nope. I know he didn't do it all the way. And I got, I was busted. I did it for two weeks. And then I kind of went off a little bit, not thinking anybody would notice because it's really hard to just, to eat just brown rice and, and broccoli or whatever it was. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Couldn't be social. Couldn't, I couldn't cook for my family. It was like, I had to, I had to leave um, town basically to, to make it happen. So I went home feeling like a failure and um, I decided to do the 30 days and I was not going to, it was no joke. I just did it. And I transformed my health with that diet. I was amazingly better, 100% better than I'd ever been in my life. And I said to him, when I arrived, I was kind of cocky when I showed up because I knew I, you know, he couldn't, you know, bust me for cheating on, you know, something because I didn't. And um, he said, yeah, now you've reached the pillar, um, the height of your health. This is what you should feel like. And I said, well, what, what is this? What, what, what do you do? What do you call this? He said, it's Ayurveda. And he's a white guy, not an Indian guy. And Ayurveda is the indigenous holistic system from India. Yeah. So I was surprised that, and I didn't know, I never heard of that word, but the diet worked. And so within a year, I found myself at the Ayurvedic Institute in New Mexico, studying with Dr. Pisant Mud, who is fantastic. He's a legend in holistic medicine, mainly Ayurveda. I was honored, it was an honor to study with him. I was in the front row every day for almost two years. And I learned a lot. And he stopped teaching because he's old now. And I went on for my master's degree in Ayurvedic medicine after I'd spent two years with him every, every night from six to nine, Monday through Thursday. And it, since it changed my life the way I saw, it, it even went further. I even, even had more transformation as I went in through Dr. Ladd's program, as I went through the Maharishi University, excuse me, program and learned how to do transcendental meditation and just kept building my immunity, building, building. And now I know how to actually stay in the game. It takes a lot of work. Um, you know, I have to be strict about my diet. I'm hypersensitive to food and sensitive to the environment. And I, I know what I can do, what I can't do. So I've learned how to heal myself. And in that process, I've helped heal a lot of other people. So that Ayurvedic medicine that I had to do for myself turned into clients and students. So I opened a practice seeing clients 1999 and I saw massage clients and they turned into my Ayurvedic consultation clients. Then I opened a school for how to teach Ayurvedic medicine and massage therapy, Ayurvedic modalities and different types of healing work like Marma point therapies, like acupuncture, but it's the Indian version and this Abhyanga, which is hot oil massage in a specific strategy and sequence then there's shiradhara which is beautiful therapy of warm oil flowing over the forehead and it is a mind melting therapy where it heals everything because the mind is the master the master um, of all the organs in the body and if you can soothe the mind you can soothe the body so the shiradhara does that and awakens the third eye and heightens the senses and corrects so many things like insomnia and depression and things that are very difficult to correct in um, Western medicine. So now here I am running a school for Ayurvedic medicine online and I really would like to sell it. So that's my goal. Mm -hmm. and, um, like to just immerse myself in one-on-one -on -one doing uh, my astrology because I went into medical astrology, which is a limb of Ayurveda. They call Jyotish meaning okay. uh, it's the eyes of Ayurveda. They call it the eyes of Ayurveda because you can see into the astral body when the person was born and where the weaknesses are in Jyotish astrology, medical astrology. So it helped my Ayurvedic consultations that I had started to do in 1999 or 2000, whatever it was, helped me dramatically um, go to the next level to truly help people at the deepest level. Sure. So 
you know, it's, uh, you know, that's such a great journey. Um, obviously, when you heal yourself, you know, it's it's the same thing we do when we see a great movie and we tell everybody. And if you've got a life changing experience through this, uh, certainly you want to become a teacher and you want to share it because you found something that is unusual, at least here, at least in our part of the world. Yeah. Um, and and not it's so against the the mainstream, it, it people won't even give you that option they, they really it's really going to be hard to find this unless you meet the right person who's who's, who's been down at your doctor won't say why don't you go check this out um yeah. which is you know too bad um see even for you know chiropractors go through the same same thing but um now you have the i correct me if i'm wrong but you had the ayurveda school you had a massage school that was different or was it part of it it was combined at one point where the Newport Massage School was a big undertaking. It was the first private massage school to be approved by the Rhode Island Board of Governors of Higher Education, which they changed their names and I forgot what the new name is, but similar, the same group of people in that school. I opened up on Aquidneck Avenue and it was very successful. And then I moved it to Providence, still very successful. I was hiring and enrolling more students than any of the other my competition will say, because I had a unique niche where these students wanted to learn holistic massage based on, you know, more of Eastern principles, which is hard to find. It was really the only one in the country hmm. that I know of. Maybe there's more now, but at that time, I was the, the pioneer of our, an Ayurvedic massage school. So I taught the basic standard mainstream massage, which, you know, is effleurage and deportment and things that you can learn at Bristol Community College. And then I added in and integrated the Ayurvedic ancient modalities. So it was a nice mix, but it was too hard for one person to run alone. And I was dying. I'm just not, not six people. So you need a staff of 15 people and you really need one other person that can be your front person. And the ones that I've noticed are successful when I would go to the round tables at the annual summits for the school meetings with the American Massage Therapy Association. And I would interview the successful schools at the round tables. Always I asked, are you doing this alone? Nobody I knew was doing this alone. There was a husband or a girlfriend or a partner and they paid that partner really well. If there was you know, not a 50-50, it was something where there was a shared experience and I had nobody and I'm doing it all by myself. And then I found a guy in Connecticut who was doing the same thing all by himself. He had stage four cancer. He didn't make it because he didn't have the skill set to save himself. He had the ego. So I'm going to do this until I drop. So he did. And he didn't jump ship. Actually, the ship jumped him and he died of cancer. I looked at him thinking, wow, um, am I next? <laughs> so I, I jumped ship and I, I couldn't. I, I could have sold the school, but it was too much for me to keep interviewing prospective buyers. Yeah, yeah. Let it go. I had a You know, I remember when you were going through this. I remember the change and the move and the this and that, that. And then, you know, you told me you'd walked away and I learned something about it. And, you know, I got to tell you, that's um, sometimes walking away is the bravest thing you can do. Oh, it was brave and, and horrifying. Yeah. But it takes courage to do that because, you know, like you're, you're telling me about another person doing this who who couldn't do it and couldn't let it go and, and couldn't yeah. recognize the signs of what was impending. Um, yeah. You know, what we do all day affects our lives. And, and so if it's pain and you know stress, um, I can imagine. And, and I can imagine that if you have a partner in your business or even an employee, a, a, you know, a top employee, you have to find somebody who's aligned with you on the mission. It's not just somebody who's good. We're running an office or with good computer skills or phone skills. You need somebody who gets your larger path and wants to walk that with you. And, I, and so I can see why that's a terrible struggle to get. Um, it wasn't possible. I couldn't find anybody. It was meant to be that I close it. Okay. I'm at peace with it now. Um, I I'll always feel a little grief around it you know that was my baby I built it I was proud of it and it was it was blood sweat and tears I almost yeah. got it approved so close $25,000 investment to actually getting it federally approved not just state approved so you know FAFSA so that I could have given the FAFSA loans mm -hmm. I was this close to getting approved for FAFSA but that was 
part that was killing me because you need to hire an employee. All these successful schools not only had a husband and a wife partner, they had a separate staff member just to run FAFSA. I was doing everything. I was the FAFSA girl. I was the husband. I was the wife. I was the bookkeeper. And the students were flipping out. And the, the massage demographic, the typical massage therapist, they are entrepreneurial and they have this kind of rebel way and healers are re basically rebels of the best healers are the best rebels. So I had this whole, I had like the inmates trying to overthrow the asylum at my school. <laughs> they were the, the top rebels, big healers. And they, they didn't understand that, you know, the teacher and the owner was near death. So when they didn't care, they paid, they wanted what they wanted. And it was toxic environment. Eventually I just, I would have died like that guy in Connecticut. So here I am running my Ayurveda school, letting that whole thing go behind me. That was three years ago, Newport Massage School. And now I'm doing this virtual thing. And I'm realizing that it's really hard to teach virtually and everything's pre-recorded, and people lose their incentive. They, they lose their motivation because there's not any community really that to speak of. Mm. So there's not a lot of drive to truly learn it at the deepest level. And I've been doing these exit exams over the phone with some of these students that have done it virtually during the pandemic. Honestly, I've never had such a bad failure rate. So I'm not happy about this. The students that I had when it was in person in Newport, I had this Ayurveda school in person on Thames Street just prior to opening the Newport Massage School and merged them. Right. And, um, but now I'm realizing I, I'm not turning out quality Ayurvedic um, counselors and um, yeah, you can't them. when you're not there with them you can't you can't smell the smoke until there's fire yeah. um, you can direct somebody who's distracted or or not getting it and you can pop quiz and um, have you tried online classes live or I mean is that a I better that wasn't my intention and the intention was for it to be online so I could continue to serve one-on-one -on -one with clients I saw five clients today doing the medical astrology and the spiritual counseling that I do. And I did a whole day's work that everyone else in the rest of the world said, okay, I'm done now. It's time to watch a movie and have dinner. But I have to go to work now running my online school. So if I, and that's too much until midnight. So I need to let that go. Imagine if I even bit off more than that and started offering live classes. There's no, there's no way I'd have to make a decision because I'm only human. And I need to go to bed at some point. <laughs> so I can't offer live classes. If I did, I would lose all the clients that I built up. I have regulars that come in. I'm a personal coach. I'm a medical coach. I'm a, a spiritual counselor where people come to me for just peace of mind. I and I, I love that. I, I That's what lights me up. Well, Not that's your answer right there. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, it's what lights you up. And I don't know that people, especially in your line of work, uh, when you're dealing with spiritual things, I don't know that people realize what it takes out of you to do a session. It's not, you know, when you're giving, whether you're doing physical work or whether you're doing, you know, mental work, it's you're, you're going to be tired after five, six clients a day. And, and, yes. and yeah. I'm 57. So to be 57 and to have to work all day and all night, it's no wonder I'm single. So it's time to let, <laughs> where am I going to find someone, you know, cause I don't have any time to go out looking. It's time to sell my school. And I have three prospective buyers. Let's just all say a prayer. I can sell that school walk away from it and build my clientele business, the ones that, the, where I shine, where I love it. And that's what we all should do. We should do what we love. So yeah, I, yeah. You know, the listeners are going to hear a, 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 an audio here, but I'm looking at the video and, and your face changes when you talk about working with people versus working with the school. You can just see the, yeah. you know, it's it's so obvious that that's, you know, where you want to spend your time. And the other thing you're doing, spending your time with people is what we touched on briefly before astrology now that's you know that's something that not everybody takes seriously but for you it's it it was transformative in a way probably on par with uh i always say ayurveda wrong it sounds terrible you say it different say ayurveda ayurveda you say it right 
It sounds funny. I don't know. I always, I always think I'm messing that up. That's why I don't try to name all the things you do because some of them are just Indian words. And I'm like, I'm not going to get that right. But you're doing astrology now. And I remember you did a reading for me a long time ago and it's, you base it with regular playing cards. We were, I mean, pretty much, you know, each card has a story and this and that, but I'd love to hear how that became something that, you devote your life to. I mean, a lot of people do astrology as a hobby or as an interest or like they watch a, you know, a comedy show or a, a news show. Uh, and it's fun, but it's not at that level of, of belief and commitment. And um, you you found it actually really did things for you that, uh, yeah, I wish something would do that for me. Um, tell me a little about that, though, that start. It, well, it's it's beyond cards. I, I do the cards and I love the cards, although it's a four letter word and most people think, you know, house of cards or, you know, it's a derogatory word, unfortunately. Um, um, I can't probably change that in this lifetime, but I do medical astrology called Jyotish. Jyotish? Jyoti actually means light and ish means science. So it's the science of light and in Ayurveda, it's the eyes of the Veda. And um, it, it's basically based on sidereal, the sidereal zodiac, not the Western tropical, which that has power too. No discrediting that. But I'm doing Eastern sidereal. And I studied this at an ashram in Pennsylvania. I used to go up like five times a year for a long weekend. I met one of my best friends, Christy, there. We were in class together. And um, it was called Jyotish at the ashram. And um, it was in the Pocono Mountains. Really fun and amazing experience. My teacher, Penny Farrow, uh, speaks seven languages, Ivy League college professor. She's brilliant beyond words. And uh, I was intrigued. And I kept going and it was, I knew that I had done this in a past life because it just came back to me. It just kept like, felt like, I know this, I know this. It's very complicated, a lot of math, a lot of learning, a lot of memorization and a lot of intuiting because it's a vidya and vidya is a Sanskrit word meaning combination of magic, science and art. So you have to combine all of those to be a truly good jyotishi. And so I'm a work in progress and pretty good. And that's a separate science. That's an oracle in and of itself called jyotish where it's medical astrology. But the card system is also astrology. And these cards are the book of time. It's a book of life, basically. It's not like tarot where you just spread out a card or two or three or four. And um, it's called tarot where you just read the consciousness of the moment. And that has power. But this is not that. This is using a software program that's mathematically configured to, to pull up the frequencies around your birthday. And then you can make predictions. You can tell about the patterns and gifts and challenges in someone's life, very much like Jyotish. I combine the two, which is profoundly accurate. So one of them is what I'll do is Jyotish for specific questions like Dharma and life purpose. And then the other one, specific questions about romance. And it's, it, to me, it's, it tells me more about love and um, the personal fields of living. So I combine them. And when I find confluence and I find accuracy in them, they both align. And it's one is the tropical zodiac and the other one is the sidereal zodiac. And the way I do it is not to take away free will. And it's nothing, no hooga booga. It is very math. And then my intuition opens up, my third eye opens and I can hear messages and feel and smell. And I, I, I use the magic part of the vidya I told you about, the science, math, uh, science, magic and art. The magic comes in after you do this long enough, third eye opens and you can, can really feel into people's deepest parts. Like you read their astral body when you open up a chart and you look at the mathematics of their birthday, it's quite an honor. And I never ever say this will happen to you. I always give options because we always have many options at our disposal. However, the next day or week or future will unfold is not only one way. It can unfold in many different ways. So I'll always lay out the options of what they have, depending on their consciousness. If someone isn't wanting to be a seeker of the truth or to evolve or to to you know make lemon out of their lemonade uh, a le lemonade out of their lemons then i read them at a different level and um 
maybe not as many options, but if I find someone as a client, a seeker of the truth, truly wanting to know who they are and to, to understand deeply, then there's more options for that person because they're willing to evolve another octave up mathematically. And then I can say, well, if you stay in this evolved state, this is what might unfold for you. If you don't and you stay in victim state, then this might unfold for you. And then, you know, what you wrote for, if you don't do anything at all, this is what might unfold. So there's never just, I never say this is what's going to happen to you because that's taking away people's free will. And, and, and to me, that's witchcraft. So yeah, there's no so there's no predestination in, in no, any no, of this. None of that. It's it's I work, it's like teamwork. I, I find out where they're at, you know, where they're at they're at emotionally, spiritually, and read them where they're at and give them options for where they could go. Help them decide. And there's always something really interesting and specific to each person. Ultimately, are all the answers already inside us or are they all being constantly discovered or do you have a... Well, some people don't even need astrology because their lives are steady, eddy, and they wrote, they have a blueprint that's just nice and strong and they don't get a lot of lemons thrown at them. And they wrote for that. Before we incarnate, we write for what type of life do we want? Do we want to try to get it all done in one lifetime so we don't have to keep incarnating over and over and spread it out, rip the Band-Aid off fast? Or do we go in and do we just tread some water a little bit in this lifetime? Maybe we try another lifetime where we tread a little bit more water, spread it out. Well, some people who who choose lifetimes of, of severely finding challenges, getting blindsided, and there are always lemons thrown at them and they've had a life of adversity, these are people that chose to do this fast, to, to evolve really quickly because um, they may not have to come back if they do it right. So they put a lot of adversities in their path, in their blueprint, to see if they could rise above them. And it's, every adversity is an opportunity to evolve and transcend. So the more you have for adversities, the more opportunity you have for enlightenment and transformation and never have to come back here again, you can come go to another planet that has no bugs and is much nicer. But if, if you want, I'm just using that for example, bugs, but nice people where people are, are um, with it's just more goodness. There are planets out there that have more goodness. This is a beautiful place, Earth, but there's a lot of gnarly stuff going on. We all know that. Well, We're sure. here, and that gnarly stuff is what helps some of us transcend and learn about who we are deeply. So, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get out of my depth here in, in some of this, but are, are you saying there's a um, an ultimate purpose to, to life that once you hit it, you're free to go somewhere else? And some people do it in one existence and others take many, and then there's no reason to keep coming back on earth. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, this might sound sort of convoluted and all, you know, Harry Potter, but it it is <laughs> it is um, profound. And yeah, we it's all about learning. Not that I have all the answers. I'm still learning my own self. But we're here to learn about love and who we are. We are love, and we are learning about how to love others and forgive. And and that's all we get to take to heaven with us. We don't get to take our house and our car and our. Our, our clothes, we, we take the love with us. So we're here to learn about that. And the only way to really learn about our uh, self-love and love is to be thrown adversities, unfortunately. And then we are tested truly, how much love do we really have for someone who just, you know, rammed us in the car, in the back of our car, or taking us to court or stealing your daughter or stealing, you know, your wife or whatever it is that's an adversity. How do you respond to your reaction to that is it, is it going to be eye for an eye or is it going to be that you learn how to roll with it, forgive, stand up, assert yourself? All of these reactions tell you your state of consciousness and the ability to love and um, see others as a reflection of who you are and take accountability for everything that happens so that you're never a victim. And when you get to that state, you don't really need to come back to this pea soup. This earth is very thick and heavy and dense. You might be able to go to another planet that's a little bit more light, maybe, you know, not pea soup, but perhaps 
miso soup. I don't know. <laughs> but, it, you know, in any case, those people who come in with a lot of adversities that come in ill, the physical body is bothering them, their mental body is unstable, they can't seem to keep a marriage together, they can't keep a job or whatever it is. And people look at them and judge them and say, well, they're just losers. No, if you look at their blueprint compared to someone else's blueprint, who's a steady Eddie, this person, I could tell you right off the bat, wrote for that. It's not because of some unlucky event. It was written and she chose that. So 10 points for courage to come in with all those adversities and to take that on. I mean, that's courage, bravery, or stupidity. I'm not sure. But um, most of the time before you incarnate, you have to have it approved by your spirit family and God, the creator. And if, if they approve it, then you're in. Um, and, and if it's not approved, then it was probably too much adversity and nobody could take that on. So they, they might not approve something that is massively adverse. But I've met clients that have so many issues that I just stand before them in all my humility. I'm like, wow, you you chose a tough one. And the toughest ones are the people born in what I call the via combusta, the stinger of the Scorpio in, in the great cosmos. That stinger, that scorpion stinger is where um, via meaning path of fire. Fire, yeah. yeah. They come in having to learn how to navigate their life, needing a skill set, tools to help them so they don't continually get blindsided. And I, so, I provide that. That's, that's so interesting. I, I, I'm, um, I, you know, one of my areas of, of well, interest, I, I never say study because that, that sounds like work, but um, is the sort of law of attraction mindset, the science of mind stuff, not the woo, but the sort of thoughts are things mindset. And uh, listening to what you're saying, is everything our fault? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, the, not necessarily a fault, but well, everything that happens to us is we're never a victim. Nobody is a victim truly. Right. Uh, we are accountable, whether it's a fault or I don't know if that's the right word, but we're everything that happens, and it's okay to be a victim every now and then, just whine about it. I, I let my clients cry. I let myself cry. Then I rise above it and say, okay, I wrote for this. That means I have the skill set to rise above it. I got this. I can do it. So, but not easily because I, I'm one of the via combusted people, which is what threw me into astrology. So I get blindsided a lot. I get a lot of adversities and I have to keep making lemonade. And I meet others that are in the via combusta and I share with them that that we, we don't get to just steady Eddie and we, we're always like, okay, when's the shoe going to drop next? So we have to develop a um, strategy for how to live and how to, what I call muherta is divine timing, uh, plan ahead, know ahead so that we don't walk in knowingly into a hornet's nest, which I did for most of my life because I didn't have the skill set. So I just kept blindly walking into hornet's nest, but that's what I wrote for. Let's see how I could deal with it. And I, you know, sometimes I fell down, sometimes I got up and it is all, um, all written ahead. But in that writing, we wrote for free will. So we can, we can choose always to, yeah. 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 How deal with it. Yeah. I mean, so my phrasing of all our fault, um, there's a very popular book out now uh, called Extreme Ownership, which basically, you know, it's this philosophy of just saying whatever happens, own it. Like, and it's bad, own it. And if it's a problem, just fine. It's a problem. Just do it. And, and, and that's what I mean by everything's our fault. Like if you just believe everything's your fault and let, yeah, this is the life I'm sort of creating, then you can, one, you're not a victim, which is two, two, you can see, you seek solutions rather than blame. And, um, I've, you know, I've been big on that. That's, that's a big thing in my life. I've just said, okay, you know what? I've all the mistakes I've made, all the trauma, all this nonsense. It's me, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of it I think is me, but I mean, when, you know, there's no one to blame. No, nobody did anything to me. Nobody. And I, and I find that's empowering to live like that, to believe that, you know, all the screw ups in my life, that's me. Either I should have seen this coming and moved differently, or I did something dumb. Um, but I see so many people who just 
look outside for the blame and who did this to me. And and the world is something that happens to them and not for them. And that's hard to live with those people, but we just have to understand that they just have forgotten who they are. That's the problem. Hmm. They um, have to remember who they are and not that anyone has to do anything, but in order for a true happiness and fulfillment in life, we have to remember that we are the creator of our destiny. We are these powerful beings. We're omnipresent. We're multidimensional. We're powerful. And if we shrink ourselves and just go around whining, poor me, poor me, then who are you? You forgot that you're actually amazing. And some days may not feel so amazing, but deep inside each of us, you know, like in the Bible, and and, and I don't always believe in the Bible because some of that's man-made, but in the Bible, there's some truths. Like it says, we are all children of God. Basically, we're all amazing beings of the light. And if we just step into that and stop pointing, blaming, and shaming everyone, then in, in the great gurus of the East, like Maharishi, the, the Beatles guru, one of the favorite sayings that he had was stay in your own lane. Just stay in your own lane. Doesn't mean no compassion, don't help others, but only if they ask. We don't go out of our way to help people who aren't asking because we have no permission to do that. And then we're degrading their ability to help themselves by intruding. So mm. we stay in our own lane and we take care of ourselves. And when we do our self-care and we take accountability for everything in our life, then all of that smooths out the hiccups in other people's lives and around us. We just become the change that we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we are so um, we're so into ourselves. And I was uh, I was, like, I was listening to Sadhguru, um, who just talks about how infinitesimally small all of us are. And then if you take that step back and look at this planet and this earth, how do you matter? You if you disappear tomorrow, nothing changes. If you go away, nothing happens. If we, if the whole country disappeared, nothing happens on a, on a big enough scale. So why take everything so serious and so life and death and so get miserable over things? You know, I, I this whole year of politics. Uh, why? I, I don't you know, I see people talking on either side and I have political views, but not to the point of ostracizing people and not to the point of putting half the people on, on the in the country in the bad box. You know, you're bad because you and you're good. You're like, no, you know, and looking and then looking for victims, you know, when it's not you, there's someone else you're making. It's such a silly thing Um, because we really are. You know, what do we have? 80 years, 100 years. I like to think 130. Um, Well, I have a goal to be a very annoying old man. And, (laughs) And I think that helps, by the way. I actually think if you plan to be an annoying old person, you're not somebody who gives up, you know, when you're 60 and, and shuts down because you want to be an annoying old person, right? Right. I want to be that 100-year-old guy at the bar who's just yeah. making people laugh and giving them a hard time. And, you know, just because... He's truth and he doesn't care anymore, you know? Yeah. And of course he cares, but he doesn't care what anyone thinks about him. And that's true liberation. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been giving up on other people's opinions. It's not all that important. You mentioned blueprinting, and that's another field that you've studied, a sort of an Ayurvedic blueprinting. I saw so is that sort of a life mapping process or is that is that an active process or an uncovering process? It's actually you, the same thing. It's an astrology chart. So your astrology chart is literally your astral blueprint. Oh so it's just another word for a chart. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. that, that's interesting. So you've um, so you've done the massage and the uh, the healing, and you've done the astrology, and you've done all that, not taking on anybody else's rules. You've um, you've had this interesting life and so many challenges, and yet you you seek out the challenge and the hard work of being an independent, of being. A business person of not taking a job, the easy path sometimes of building things from scratch. Why? Why are you so wired to making your life harder? I mean, we touched on it, but being a business owner is hard. Starting a company is hard. Running a school and another is hard. But that's you. Why? Why that path? I'm 
I'm a wired, um, I'm wired to be an entrepreneur. I have all the entrepreneurial configurations and patterns in my blueprint so I understand myself better. Freedom first in my chart. I'm an Aries ascendant mm. and um, Aries is all about freedom. So for me to be beholden to a boss nine to five, it doesn't feel free to me, even though I'm not really free because my clients are my bosses and, you know, it's a way of looking at it, but I can carve out time when I want. And I just say, I'm not working for this week or this week and I'll see you next week. And that, I like that freedom. Um, I, I come from a father who opened the chief executive officers club international. So he is a massive CEO and he wrote about 35 books, he's a Harvard graduate, and he's a brilliant businessman. He had a column on Wall Street Journal, Dr. Joseph Mancuso, if you ever wanna look up his books, he's, he's written many books on entrepreneurial success, marketing, how to write a successful business plan, no guts, no glory. And so I come from this, and then my mother's magna cum laude, so I come from a bunch of brainiacs, and it just doesn't make any sense for me to work nine, nine to five somewhere where I know that the entrepreneurial blood is just running through my veins and hard to to be anything different than than running my own ship. I I would like to go back to working as a professor. So that I think will be the last chapter of my life when I when I sell my school because I'm a teacher. Uh, my te it's my dharma, it's my sole purpose, teacher and healer and writer, main, my main profession. And I will probably be working part-time as a professor, but I'm also going to be continuing to see clients daily, and that is full-time right there. But I, I do love the scholarly life. I, you know, I come from scholars, and I want to be associated. Maybe I'm a geek. <laughs> um, I, I could be a closet geek, and I just want to keep being among other geeks and yeah. keep teaching. Yeah, yeah I, you know, share, um, call it sharing clarity. I mean, when you've, when you've learned something and you've got a, a better path, um, why would you let someone else find it all out the hard, slow way? If you can get in front of them and say, no, let me give you a better path. Here's the knowledge. Here's what to do. Here's how you move forward. Um, I was thinking about when you said freedom and it sounded like uh, at the school, you didn't have freedom. And basically you created a job for yourself when yeah. what you wanted was freedom. So that's probably another reason that that was just not your path. Exactly. Um, yeah, it wasn't you were a slave to it. It was, it's, you know. No, horrible, because I got stuck in the administration and I couldn't do the healing, couldn't do the teaching. And all I had to do was like sit in front of a computer and act like an administrator and a bookkeeper, which was killing my soul. I thought I could afford to pay to hire someone, but you really can't trust too many people to do the admin because that is, that's the meat. And that's why you need two people. That's like the, the bones of the yeah. Institute. And if you had a second person, then the administration could, you know, be a little bit more uh, shared easier. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I'm free from that. And now I'm doing what I love seeing clients, but just got to get rid of that school. The oh. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome. The um. Now, how? When did you come to Newport? I was seventeen when I started at Salvate and did my minor, my major in, in philosophy, minor in religion. Okay, so you've been here. You've been here a while now. And why are you still in Newport? Okay. What do you love about this place? This is such a great town, but I like hearing it. I'm, I'm a mermaid. I got to be in the water. I can't be in a place without water. I have to be in the ocean. Mm. And I just come alive when I'm in salt water. And I love the cliff walk. And I love all the little coves off the cliff walk. I love yeah. Bailey's Beach. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Rejects Beach. You know, I, I just, um, the beauty of Newport is just cobblestones, the history, the charm. And um, all my friends and people are here. My daughter's here. This is where I got married. Yeah. 
No, it, it, it's, it is such a nice place. I, I did live in Phoenix for a while. And the thing that constantly killed me was there's no water. There's no water anywhere. Like there's this man-made lake down by the college, but like, ugh, it's not the same. You know? Not the same. You got landlocked in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's awful. Um, you mentioned something about the stones here because you do stone healing as, as well. Another, what's, what do we call that? This. Well, I call it sacred stone massage therapy, but it's now hot stone massage therapy in every spa in the country. And that's fine. They can change the name. I, I was the pioneer there. I, I, I started that therapy. I lived on Tuckerman Avenue off of Whetstone Beach, near Central Beach. And my backyard was all these whetstones or stones they used to sharpen knives on. So they were flat and smooth. And I was massaging people and I would go down there and lay on this cliffs, hot, baked by the sun, just healing. And my pain from my spine, I had spinal pain from fibromyalgia, it, it just dissipated. So I knew there was some magic in those stones. So I was, used to tell my clients, go lay on the cliffs after a massage. And they yeah. too busy, too busy. So I'm like, I'm gonna bring the cliffs to them. So I mm. took some flat stones, heated them up on my stove and it all started with one stone. And then it started two, three, and it came to 33 stones and my clients were my teachers. And I said, what feels good? And I just started using them like flat irons on their body with warm oil. And it, and then people, I had some people make fun of me saying, what are you doing? <laughs> and I think it feels really good. I'm doing what feels good. And then slowly my clients became massage therapists who just wanted to learn what I was doing because I was booked up three months in advance. It felt so good that I decided, well, I better start teaching this instead of just doing this one-on-one -on -one and teaching one massage therapist at a time. So I decided to open a school and I started teaching and training sacred stone massage therapy. Tons of people, maybe 3,000, 4,000 people have taken my sacred stone massage therapy certification. I still love it. I still love stones. Yeah. What do you do most now? What's your, I mean, are you doing massage? Are you doing more readings? Or are you doing more stonework or coaching or? Coaching and reading and teaching online. I'm teaching how to do astrology now, teaching how to read the book of time, those cards, the system. And people love this. And I love it. And I do miss the massage. I might give a massage every now and then. And I might even open it up more once I sell the school. I might see like two clients a week or three instead of, you know, two or three a month. Hmm. Awesome. The, um, so you're, you're shedding light on people's health and their paths and coaching and, and all this uh, amazing stuff. Um, I, I think the most ridiculous thing you can do in life, ridiculous good, is help other people finding their paths. Because once you've found your own, it's just such a gift to be able to give people that clarity. Um, you're writing three books. Yes, I can't wait to have the time to finish them. All three are half written, you know, and it's rough draft. And so one of them is um, on Ayurveda. So it, it's going to be on, and I haven't found the title to it yet, but planetary Ayurveda so that you can find your diet. If you put your birthday in, you can dis discover what diet, according to the planets, would be best for your constitution. Nobody's done that yet. So that book is half written and it's based on a lot of research, empirical research. So it, it'll be um, a really interesting book and then um, but helpful because some people don't know what to eat and they just, they're lost. They try the keto diet, the paleo diet, vegetarian. They don't know. Should they be a vegetarian? Should they not? This book will tell you according to your birthday. And then um, the, the second book is going to be on the cards. So I, I, developed new formulas for this card system and they're not new because there's nothing new under the sun i'm actually rediscovering formulas from who knows the days of atlantis when this system was brought to the earth maybe it was brought to the earth before atlantis i don't know but i keep getting new formulas that are profound and there's no book that has these formulas so this is going to be an amazing book that is coming that could be mind-blowing for this particular science. And is that a practical teaching book or is it more of a reference like an encyclopedia or is it more of good a... Good question. It's going to be half on vignettes. So little vignettes of how this unfolded and here is how, why. Here are the cards 
And then I explained how mm-hmm. well, this card gave rise to this experience and that card gave rise to that experience. Then this is how I connected the dots and this is why this entire thing happened. So it'll be little vignettes and then I'll give concepts and theory at the end. So that, again, you know, Jesus taught in parables and nobody really wants to read an encyclopedia. So we need to, to learn through story. Story mm. keeps everyone interested, a good story, you know? So um, the third book is on a murder mystery. And it was from um, a past life that I, I had a memory on that I never was looking for, actually. I <laughs> never really cared to go backwards and learn a past life. I had many people say, I'll barter with you. If you give me a reading, I'll do your past life reading. And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to go back. And then one day, you know, three years ago, I, I, Long story, I'm not going to bore you with it now. Um, it's just that I realized what had happened to me in a past life and all these these mysteries, little pieces were telling the story of, of uh, anyways, I found my name. I found out where I was born. I even got the day she was born in 1800s, where I lived when I grew up, London, and um, and how I died. And it was a murder. And it, it, it was, for me, it was me trying to find who the murderer was. And um, I found out who it was. I even got his name. Some people don't even know who the murderer is yet. And so it's going to be a murder mystery. And it's going to be on through my eyes of how it was shown to me and how I was the audience to my own story, trying to figure it all out. And um, it's a fascinating unfoldment of how I actually came to discover who it was, and and that I met him, believe believe it or not, through um, through my dreams and through meditation and through other things. I'm not going to give away the whole story. And I ended up having um, a big forgiveness and forgave him. And he wanted my forgiveness. He needed my forgiveness in order to go to the higher locus of heaven. So um, it all turned out to be a happy ending where we all forgave each other. Okay. Yeah. Are you writing it as, as a fictional story or are you writing it as a... I'm not like sure. A- I'm not sure. And I'm not going to use my name. I'm going to use her name. Well, okay. Yeah. Please. Nobody will really know it's me. Well, they don't, they don't need to know it, too. It's the story that's, that matters. You can always go, hey, that's me. The, I, I, so can I make a suggestion? Sure. So I'm struggling writing one book, one book. And it's really, like, hard to figure out, you know, like, structure. And I'm trying to do it as, like, an allegory. So it's sort of a... I'm more inspired by something like The Alchemist or um, Richest Man in Babylon or any of these these sort of not, you know, ultimately it's about me. The Little Prince uh, is another one, although I'm never going to be that beautiful as a writer. That's that's um, I don't yeah. know. Never know. well, that's just that's such a favorite book for me, because if you read that book when you're a kid it's one story if you read it when you're a young adult it's another story and if you read it as an older person it's another story it's such it's such a great you know it's so many layers in that in that story um but i know how hard it is to write one book and you're writing three you're gonna pick one and finish that and before you i'm not sure one i'm gonna start um I can't put my attention on any of them until the school sells because I'm. Oh, I, I, I'm. I'm just saying. I, it might be. School sells. I'm going to pick one of the three, and I think what has to happen is, in order to get my job as a professor, once I sell the school, I'll need to have my Ayurveda book because they usually will pay you better salary if you have a publication. So I have many published articles, but yeah. I don't have a book. So that could get me um, my professor job more secure and more lucrative if I choose that book. But it's not my first passion. My first, my passion is really in the cards to write this, to finish my vignettes. It's almost like a diary. The second passion is the murder mystery. And then the um, third one, and the murder mystery also involves a lot of healing because I had to do a lot of 
it, I had a lot of anxiety around during that time, increased anxiety and fear because I didn't know who, what was going on. So I had to um, come up with remedies for how to live in uncertainty and fear. So I, I'm going to help people in that book as well with remedies that work for me to reduce reduce anxiety. So that that's my second choice. And the third choice would be to do the Ayurveda book. But if I want to make money, I probably got to do the Ayurveda book first. Okay. Okay. The, when you talk about the healing uh, in the murder mystery, are you talking about you now or are you talking about a different life then? The, the experiences you're... Me now, because the girl that got murdered, that was me, she didn't know. She um, had no idea that that it was, you know, sudden, a sudden shocking murder. And um, I even have pictures from... Anyway, so it's... It's, it's going to be a good book, but the fear and anxiety came in this lifetime because I, I didn't know what I was going through. I heard a scream. That's how it started on July 9th. And I realized it was through the eclipse that I heard it. And, it, you know, Einstein and many others know that there are time blips through eclipses. The eclipses break up the time-space continuum and there can be a uh, uh, if we have parallel lifetimes and universes and if time is like a slinky, everything happening at once, and then you expand it, I blipped in to a lifetime that had been unresolved because I died so fast and so aggressively that my soul, I had a piece of a soul loss and I had to grieve that and I had to piece that soul back together. So I had help from some people to do that. And I had to figure out uh, what happened and, and wrap my head around it in that lifetime that residual comes into this lifetime where uh, a lot of similar patterns I even look like her, her pictures are amazing and um, I was afraid because I I didn't know that it was me that was screaming I asked I asked some spiritual gurus and like this this person came and screamed in the middle of the night she, she was facing her death long story I don't want to get into telling the whole story but just little bits and I I was I had fear I had to relive it and then I saw the actual event and then I I met the mother of my murderer through through spirit and I um I had to I had to understand sociopath behavior I had to understand why he did that so that I could forgive and so you can't really just forgive easily without understanding. So I went into a lot of deep study around um, serial killers and sociopaths. And I learned a lot. And I, I got to speak with him and understand why he did what he did. And I get it. I get it now. Um, but it, it, it took two years for me to remove the fear and anxiety out of my body because I, as I relived it, I thought, oh my God, does that mean that could happen again in this lifetime? <laughs> and and I, I don't think it is. I just feel like what it ha happened was for me to come back and relive it so I could forgive it and bring the soul piece because I, I lost a part of my soul in that lifetime, 1800s, and bring my soul pieces back together so I could feel whole again. But most importantly, it was also for him because he got stuck. He couldn't evolve and go onto the higher levels in heaven without um, being forgiven by me. This is the story you have to tell because I'm watching you. This is, you are so in a different place as, a, as even as you try to describe it, this is the thing you've got to do. Yeah. I, I'm maybe, I, I don't know, I'm not a, you know, mystic or any of that, but um, this is such a big part of, I think, why you're here. It is. Um, it shows in my astrology. I came in under what they call the Yogatara, and that is a point within 30 degrees that is the tipping point. And I was born, anybody born at the Yogatara tipping point comes in with what they call drid karma, drid meaning fixed in Sanskrit. Fixed karma means that they came to this lifetime 
specifically to heal and resolve a past lifetime. So it's math, 30 degrees in every house. I came in at the Dred Karma, 23 degrees. And I knew when I saw that in, you know, I was in Penny's class at the ashram and I'm like, oh, I have Dred, I have um, Dred Karma and I came into the Yogatara and I knew this before the experience happened in, to, in on July 9th. I knew this, but I wasn't sure what, what it was that I had come in specifically to heal from another lifetime. I had no idea until it started showing itself to me without me even asking. I didn't want any of this information. Yeah. So, yes. How long ago did that happen? Wow. It was 2018, July 9th, that I heard that scream. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're still processing a lot of that. Still, I still process. But I'm, I've processed so much that um, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I, I don't think about it daily anymore. Mm. Maybe not even weekly. It is still there, though. It, it will never, ever. I'll never forget that. Do you think, are you, are you ready to revisit it? Because you're going to have to go deep to write it. Yes. Um, I, I, I won't be ready actually until um, I find a life partner and I, that will happen because it, it, it will, yeah, the, the fears will come back up and I want to go back to London and visit the site <laughs> the place where I was buried and just to, to visit the whole, the whole thing. Um, you would be very uh, deep for me. Yeah. Very, um, yeah. Uh, won't be able to go there alone. So um, I'm waiting for that to happen. And there's just no way I can have a, a life partner or a boyfriend or romance until the school sells because I'm too busy. And so I think this summer, my astrology shows um, this possibility that I, I could find a buyer and let it go, the school. And then my life will change. Definitely. I, I, and I, and I hope, I hope that happens for you soon. I know that's, uh, uh, that'll free you from other things, including travel and, and, um, possibly even going somewhere else, who knows, um, finding, you know, new beaches to, uh, to live on. Yeah. Um, I have never since I've met you had a bad conversation with you or a boring one. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm really glad you, you know, you came on, on the, on the podcast and, um, um, you know, the challenges of running a business are, are a bit of the focus here, but I really like the stories and, and it's so much, you've got such a good story where well, you've got so many stories, really, you don't have one, you have <laughs> dozens of stories. Um, so I really appreciate you being on today and I, I want to be respectful of your time and, and cause we could talk forever, but it's, um, getting to that point, um, for the, um, for the astrology readings you do. Um, I understand you're offering a, uh, a discount for anybody who comes into the podcast. Yes. So why don't you just take off 20% of 125, whatever that is, okay. I don't know. Uh, that's my going, that's what I charge, 125 for an hour, and I uh, don't have the math on that, but if anyone who's got a calculator can figure that out, I'd be happy to honor that. That's and, 25 bucks off, yeah. It's, yeah. it's good. I got it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, so, you know, if you anybody wants to check out um, part of this story, almost to be part of the story, um, I, would, I would definitely get in touch with Karen. I'll have her, um, uh, your links in the show notes and um, a little more of, you know, the stuff you do. And I just want you to have a really amazing next chapter to your life because you are, you are in a transition phase here. Uh, something's going to change in a big way. And I, and I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be great for you. Um, once you let go of one anchor, you can swim farther from shore or let go of one. That was a terrible metaphor, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I got that. I got it. And, and there's so much more on her website. Um, for those of you that are thinking of doing it, you can look around and see the wealth depth, uh, just the knowledge there and the experience. Uh, you can't make a mistake spending time with Karen. And if anyone wants to book me online, if you just want to go straight to my site and book me, I have an online scheduler. So it makes it easier. You don't have to call. You don't have to text. You can just go right online and pick a time 
and pay, prepay, and then I show up on Zoom and I may be actually seeing people in person. I'm thinking the end of June, I might open it up. So my the link you can go to is my full name, Karen, K-A-R-Y-N-C-H-A-B-O-T.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. If today's guest told you a good story, consider showing them your support. You'll find their links in the show notes on our website and in your podcast player. If you know somebody who you think would make a great guest here on the podcast, send them over to newporthub.com slash podcast and they can book a show with us right there. To all my guests and listeners, I've been blown away by your stories and the support you've shown for me in this podcast. It means more to me than you'll ever know. This has been the Business Leaders Show from Newport Hub. See you next time and have an amazing day, Newport.